Let me pray for us first. Gracious Father God, we thank you that your word is living and active. Thank you that it can cut us to the heart, that it can comfort us in our grief, that it can challenge and shape us to be more like your son, Jesus. Please, may your word do that work today. And please help me to speak your word faithfully and clearly and not to get in your way. Please help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when I speak to people in Melbourne about what this year has been like, I hear these two words, right off. This year has been a right of a wasted year, a year of loss. And some have suffered more grief than others this year. Think of those in year six and year 12 with scars of remote learning rather than happy milestones as memories. Think of those who've lost jobs. Think especially of those who have lost uh, loved ones this year. But with favourable COVID numbers, restrictions easing and warmer, sunnier days, there is a growing sense of hope that 2021 will be a better year. Our hope, though, is tempered when we look at Europe, who are currently approaching winter with rising infection numbers and in various stages of lockdown. And all of us in Melbourne know that the longer lockdown goes, the less and less hope we feel. And every community needs hope. According to dictionary.com, hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. And by its very definition, hope is not something that seems 100% secure. A desire for something that is never completely guaranteed but that is not how the Bible speaks of hope. Today I want to show you a hope that you can be completely confident in, a hope that will never disappoint you, a hope that is centred on Jesus Christ. So today I want to ask you a question, and I want to make two points. So here's the question, what do you put your hope in? Here are the two points, hope in the resurrection of Jesus and hope in your resurrection. Let me ask you, what do you hope in? Finish this sentence, I hope in. Here are some examples, I think, of what people in our community hope in. I hope in community itself. Uh, the term utopia was coined in the 1500s by Thomas More in a fictional story. And utopia is often used to describe a perfect society. Uh, but it was a play on words. The term utopia comes from two Greek words which literally translate as no place. And I think deep down we know that utopia doesn't exist on earth, even though many still chase after it. Many people on earth would in fact describe Australia as a bit of a utopia. But you only have to live in Australia to realise that it's not the perfect society. We don't treat everyone in our community equally. We're often suspicious of our government. We often try to get away with as much as we can, whether that be work or taxes. I expect that in coming months, there will be many people moving out of Melbourne in search of utopia, hoping for a better community somewhere else, only to be disappointed wherever you go because all communities are broken by sin. We've already looked at that. Here's another example. I hope in the economy. In Australia, in recent years, we've been banking on our main export partner, China. 
And one of our major exports for many years has been uh, student services to international students. But both of these sources of export income are seriously under threat. Uh, We've always relied on property prices increasing and the Reserve Bank could always pull the lever on interest rates, but these things are not always guaranteed to work. All of this under the shadow of a giant government debt approaching a trillion dollars. We pin our hopes on superannuation, but all retirees know that you're only one GFC away from financial disaster. Hope in the economy is shaky at best. I hope in science, and science has delivered many great benefits, life-saving, life-extending medicines and procedures, research into understanding our impact on the climate. But science is just a tool, isn't it? A tool that can be used for great good or great harm. The internet empowers people with information, yet can manipulate the same people with misinformation. Science can develop vaccines and breakthrough drugs, but human greed can deny the distribution of those drugs. And the same companies that make MRI machines that save lives also make weapon systems that take lives. Hoping in science is like putting your hope in a hammer. But to to be honest, I I don't think most of us actually stop and think about the things uh, that we hope in. We just go about our normal lives and assume the things that we hope in. Uh, At home, we own a board game called The Game of Life. You might have played it before, and I, I had a look at the instructions this week. This is what it says. Hit the road for a roller coaster life of adventure, family, and unexpected surprises. The wealthiest player wins. You start the game with a little car, that's your game piece, and the purpose is to travel through the, the, the spaces on the board which reflect the various uh, stages of life. College graduation, getting a career, getting married, buying a house, going on holidays. And then I like this one, spin for babies. Okay, If you spin a nine or a ten, you get triplets. It's that simple. And the eventual goal is to either retire in millionaire mansion or countryside acres. You choose. Sounds nice, doesn't it? What's the point of the game? How to win. Once everyone's retired, the wealthiest player wins. You see, while we wouldn't be so crass as to say it like that, I think these are the things that most of us put our hope in the next phone upgrade, the next holiday, the next change of career, paying off a mortgage, getting married, and so on. And none of these things are bad in and of themselves. In fact, these are good gifts that God gives us. But should you put your hope in them? Here's the thing. At the end of the game of life, it all goes back in the box, doesn't it? And that's true of real life as well. It doesn't matter how much money you made or how many achievements you achieved or where you went on holidays, it all goes back in the box. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the parable of the rich fool who puts his hope in his material possessions. After tearing down small barns and building bigger barns and storing them to fill his grain, he was ready for a cushy retirement living off his superannuation. 
Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Each of us will be called to account for the lives God gave us. And at that point, it doesn't matter what things we stored up, what experience we had, all these things will come to an end in the face of death. Death is the great enemy of the things we put our hope in. And death will come to each one of us. So let me ask you again, what do you put your hope in? Are your hopes load-bearing? When your hopes are tested, will they pass the crushing weight of death? Well, here's my first point, hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Earlier this year, I was attending a funeral when I got a message on my phone that my uncle had fallen and was in the hospital in a serious condition. From what we understand, one moment he was washing his car in his retirement village, he had a heart attack, fell fractured his skull, then he died at the Royal Melbourne Hospital the next day. I conducted his funeral in March just before our first lockdown, and I shared from chapter 11 of John's Gospel. Mary and Martha were both weeping at the death of their brother Lazarus, just as my uncle's sisters wept at his funeral. And we're told that Jesus also wept with Mary and Martha. Jesus wept, and we weep because death is a terrible enemy. Death closes the door of relationship between you and those you love. As it stands, globally, over a million people have died from the coronavirus this year. Think of all those grieving communities. Relationships have come to an end. Hopes have been dashed. But in the game of life, Jesus is the game changer. Jesus made this promise to Martha, chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? With Jesus, death is not the end. Jesus is the resurrection. Those who trust in Jesus will live again even after their physical death. Jesus is the life. He is the life eternal. When you believe in Jesus, you already have a taste of eternal life that will continue because you are already seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus. Do you believe this? Jesus asked. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And to prove his point, just moments later, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But this was just a sign pointing to an even greater resurrection, and that is the resurrection of Jesus himself. Jesus told his disciples he would die for the sin of others, and then God would raise him to new life, and he did it. 
None of his disciples believed that Jesus would rise from the dead, especially Thomas, the doubter. But in time, the disciples not only believed it, the disciples realized just how important the resurrection of Jesus is. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul dedicates a whole chapter to the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in fact Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The resurrection of Jesus is the key to our hope. If Jesus rose from the dead, then it proves that the cross worked, that Jesus' death paid the price of our sin against God. And death did not have the power over Jesus. The resurrection proves that Jesus' word is true, that we can trust him. If Jesus did rise from the dead, then he is the first fruits. He is a taste of the crop of people who put their faith in him, who will also rise again from the dead. Jesus is the key to our hope of life after death. But if Jesus didn't rise again, then it is an empty hope. Verse 19, our hope and faith is futile, Paul says. If you've ever played the game Jenga, there is one block that when you remove it, the tower falls down. Remove that piece and the whole thing collapses. And the resurrection of Jesus is that block. Remove it and all our hope collapses. Well, not only the Apostle Paul, but listen to the Apostle Peter speak about this hope. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The resurrection of Jesus gives us a living hope. That's a great expression, isn't it? Born again into a living hope. Knowing Jesus gives us new life. Not to a dead hope, but a living hope because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. A hope that points to a future with God that is indestructible. And notice the confidence with which Peter speaks about Christian hope. And mind you, he is speaking to Christians who are suffering, suffering and dying for being Christians. And Peter is reassuring that, that regardless of what happens to you in this life, the resurrection of Jesus brings believers a secure and guaranteed future. A hope that is not just wishful thinking because it is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus himself. When Jesus was dying on the cross, hanging next to Jesus was a hardened criminal. And Luke recorded what happened. Luke 23, verse 42. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
That promise is meaningless without the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus made the promise on the Friday. Then on the Sunday, the risen Lord Jesus was showing the scars on his hands to Thomas. The resurrection of Jesus matters. Our hope depends on it. Christian hope is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus rose from the dead, then everything changes. If death is not the full stop on your life, and there is one who has victory over death, then it changes everything that you put your hope in. I've attended funerals where where people speak of life after death with a sort of wishful sentiment. I'm sure Grandpa is smiling down on us. I've also heard of people speaking of going into nothingness after death, a, a void of existence. Now, if you're watching today and you are not certain about what awaits you after death. Maybe you have a vague notion, a sentiment. You owe it to yourself to figure out what happens after you die. And I'd encourage you to start with the resurrection of Jesus. I know it's hard to believe in someone coming back from the dead, but I invite you to come and look at the evidence. Come join our next Christianity Explored course. Make sure that you figure out whether it's true or false. Don't face your death with a a handful of vague hopes. I've attended funerals of Christians where people speak with confident hope. Why? Because hope is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus. Well, here's my final point, hope in your resurrection. I want to speak now to those who follow Christ. Because I wonder how much of your hope is anchored in your resurrection. I'm going to share this with you. Don't let the good become the enemy of the best. Don't let the good become the enemy of the best. Often we get caught up in the good, don't we? I haven't been out of Melbourne all year, and I'm looking forward to a holiday. I'm looking forward to the first swim of summer to barbecues with friends and family, to watching the cricket on Boxing Day. I'm looking forward to celebrating uh, my wife's birthday today. All good things, good things that can capture my heart, good things that I can invest my hope in, good things that I think that I'm in control over. But in reality, all these good things could be swept away in an instant by a growing tumour a tiny virus, a freak accident. And you see, the trouble with hoping in the good is that it robs you of the best. The best thing is to be raised to new life with my Lord Jesus. No one and nothing can ever take that away from me. Not even death. Thank God for the good things, but put your hope in the best thing. Here's a glimpse into your resurrection. Isaiah 25, a prophecy of a wonderful heavenly banquet where God is the chef. Verse 6, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. 
There is plenty to eat and drink at this party. There's vegan and gluten-free options even, I'm sure. But that's not the best part. The best part is this. Verse 7. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples. The veil that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. God will swallow up death. God himself will wipe away our tears. God will do away with sin once and for all. The prophecy of John in Revelation 21 is very similar. Death will be no more. No more grief, tears, or pain because sin has been dealt with forever. And John describes the coming together of God's resurrected people and Jesus as a wedding between a bride and a groom. You see, for those who trust in Jesus Christ, this is what you look forward to in your resurrection your wedding day to Jesus, a wedding reception like no other. Even the best wedding celebrations here in this life come to an end, but not this wedding celebration. Resurrection hope is a hope that will never put us to shame. The Apostle Paul talks about this process in Romans 5. Verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you come to believe in Jesus, you are given grace and peace with God. He is no longer your enemy. But you are also given hope of sharing future glory with God. And any suffering you experience only strengthens that hope of glory. Now, normally we think that when we suffer, it weakens our hope. And I think often that's because our hope is concerned with the here and now. But the hope Paul is talking about looks both forwards and backwards. Backwards to the cross, where we know for certain God loves his enemies, that he sent Jesus to die for us. And it looks forward because God will not love us any less when we are no longer his enemies. He will take us into glory in spite, of, in spite of whatever suffering we experience. The hope of resurrection allows us to grieve properly. 1 Thessalonians 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Paul is addressing a fear that Christians had of their brothers and sisters in Christ dying before the return of Jesus. And they thought that those who died would be lost forever. 
But Paul says that those who die trusting Christ are merely asleep. For that is what death is for those in Christ. Asleep that they will wake from. And Paul assures believers that upon the return of Jesus, those who are asleep and those who are alive in Christ will be caught up together with Jesus on the day of his return. This is the hope of your resurrection. Eternal life with Jesus. Eternal life with those who trust in Jesus. Where death is not the great enemy, but just a temporary sleep. Believers grieve with hope, not fear. I attended a Zoom conference where one of the presenters who was from the United Kingdom, he said that in his home country with so many COVID deaths, you either know someone who died from the coronavirus or you know someone who knows someone who died from the coronavirus. But in Australia, many people may not even know someone who has caught the virus. We have been spared the worst of it so far, but the shadow of death is never far away. Italy had low infections in June and July, and in the last week they have been rising rapidly, above 40,000 new COVID cases each day. Their daily death rates have been in the hundreds. The enemy of hope is death. But the enemy of death is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When your hope rests firmly in Jesus, it is not death to die. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. When you die in Christ, death makes you better. Death is gain. Because it is better to be with Christ for all eternity. And Paul didn't have a death wish. He was just entirely focused on Jesus in his life and in his death. And for Paul, that meant that because he had no fear in his death, he gave his life to the service of others, including the Philippians. You know what our community needs? Our community needs people who are fearless, who live fearlessly for the good of others. And you know where you get that kind of courage? From the hope, the resurrection. You see, I understand why people have bucket lists. I understand why people live for themselves selfishly. It's a race against the clock of death. You see, if this life is all there is, then every second is lost time. A bucket list is effectively a list of fears. You have to tick off all the things you want to do in this life before you kick the bucket, and that is a terrifying way to live. 
and the pandemic has only set everyone further back on their bucket lists. But for those who put their hope in Jesus, well, they have all the time in the world for the best is yet to come. Your wedding with Jesus awaits you. The endless wedding reception with those who love Jesus. No more tears, no more suffering, no more sin and death. And you can live this life without fear. For those who follow Jesus, don't write a bucket list. Write a fearless list. Write a list of all the people that you will serve fearlessly. The people that you will pray for fearlessly. The places that you will go fearlessly to serve Jesus, even though it may cost you a great deal. You see, fearless people are not worried for themselves. Fearless people give their lives for the good of others. And it is my privilege to know people who live fearlessly. Fearless people who have given up opportunities of marriage to serve Jesus. Fearless people who have left comfortable suburbs to go to harder places to share the gospel of Jesus. Fearless people who give away their money generously rather than hoarding it for themselves. Fearless people with chronic illness who respond with grace and not grumbling. Fearless people who know that the best is yet to come. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Let me pray for us. Gracious Father, this year has been a challenging year, a year um, often of feeling hopeless and helpless, of feeling scared by the shadow of death. Gracious Father, help us to learn this year's lesson that those who hope in you will never be put to shame. Help us, Father, to trust in the resurrection of Jesus, to look forward to sharing glory in eternity with you and with our risen Lord. Gracious Father God, please help us to be people who live without fear, who love without fear because of the resurrection of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.